Welcome to Angle on Scoliosis, Episode 1, Reframing the Scoliosis Treatment Paradigm with Dr. Mark Moramarco. You'll hear our family's scoliosis story, yes, I'm his wife Kathy, and learn why we're advocates for scoliosis treatment from a different angle. Mark will discuss scoliosis in three dimensions and provide an overview of the evidence-based non-surgical treatment program used at Scoliosis 3DC. Please note that the information provided is for educational purposes only. It is not intended or implied to be patient-specific or to be used for diagnosis and or treatment. Now, here's Mark. I'm very excited to welcome you to the first of what I hope are many podcasts about the non-surgical treatment of scoliosis and other scoliosis-related topics. I'm Dr. Mark Marmarco, and I specialize in Schroth Method treatment for scoliosis and its compatible 3D asymmetric brace the Chanot Gensingen, that's innovative and effective. My goal is to provide listeners with valuable information about scoliosis diagnosis and treatment, which I hope will be beneficial to parents and their children, and also for adults with scoliosis. I intend to interview other scoliosis experts and a patient or two who have come to my Boston area clinic for treatment to share their experiences as well. My interest in the treatment of scoliosis began in January 2001, when I diagnosed my daughter with a moderate curve of rapid onset. She'd been really sick for two weeks with an on and off spiking fever. Also, she had lost 85% of her hearing in her right ear for approximately four months. Her pediatrician called it a nasty virus. As a chiropractor specializing in the treatment of the spine, I was shocked and personally devastated that I'd missed this diagnosis even though I check her regularly since I, too, have a spinal curvature and a family history of scoliosis. As I researched, though, I discovered that scoliosis can progress rapidly during a growth spurt. Scoliosis in females often develops just prior to the onset of menses, since this is when females typically have that rapid growth spurt. I am also convinced that her virus may have been a type of trigger but aside from one very, very dated piece of research related to viruses and scoliosis, there's no evidence of virus as a cause of scoliosis. Scoliosis, in its most common form, about 80 to 90% of the cases are idiopathic. This means unknown cause. There are a lot of theories on the etiology of scoliosis, but nothing definitive. Since I became involved in the non-surgical treatment of scoliosis, I've encountered many parents who blame themselves for not noticing the signs sooner. But this serves no purpose. Sometimes there are just no warning signs. Once scoliosis starts, patients can develop a progressive curve, sometimes rapidly, as asymmetric spinal loading ensues. The fastest documented case I've seen clinically on x-ray was a 13-degree increase in 26 days just prior to the patient arriving at our clinic for treatment. Now, this is atypical, but it can happen. So, what is asymmetric spinal loading, you may ask? Asymmetric spinal loading is a sustained imbalance of forces along the spine. I will go into this in more detail later on. It's an important concept in understanding scoliosis progression. Suffice it to say, this is why I am not an advocate of the watch and wait approach, which is not a treatment at all the way I see it. Nothing good happens with this approach. Yes, a few curves may get better on their own, but these are the most mild curves, and it is the exception, not the rule. 
I want to share a little more about my family's personal experience so people know where I am coming from. I find it helps a lot when people understand that I've been in their shoes too. My daughter's treatment began in a well-known Boston hospital. From day one, I told myself to be the father, not the clinician. That didn't last too long. In fact, I think I knew I needed to become the clinician as soon as we arrived home from seeing the orthopedic surgeon that first day. The recommended treatment was to have our daughter braced in a new soft brace. We followed that recommendation. Not blindly, mind you. We asked for research. They provided documentation, but it was limited since the brace was just being introduced in the U.S. But we were told this brace was effective by trusted sources. We returned to the hospital the following week so she could be fit. She was an extremely compliant patient, only to progress significantly in a five-month period of time. It was quite discouraging and fear-inducing. Years later, there was a TV expose in Quebec about this brace. In the show notes, I'm providing a link to a blog with a translation to the news show. It was in French, and we translated it into English. That brace is still heavily marketed today, but our personal experience with it was not good, and my daughter progressed into the surgery zone. While she was wearing the brace, I made countless calls. I spoke to many prominent scoliosis experts all over the country. After hearing about her case, just about all of them told me surgery was our only alternative. But the three of us, my wife, my daughter, and I, had agreed that surgery wasn't an option. However, I want to acknowledge that although I didn't like what the doctors told me, they were all very kind to return my calls and listen. I was beyond frustrated. I asked each physician I spoke with if there was a non-surgical approach to treating a moderate curve. They all said no, aside from bracing, which in our experience had failed miserably. My research went into turbo drive, which eventually paid off, although it took a while. After countless calls, reading research, studying textbooks, which were primarily on surgery, and researching the limited information on the internet, remember, it was 2001, I finally caught a break. I got the idea to phone a former professor of mine from my chiropractic college days. I remembered him as highly knowledgeable. At that time, he was involved in spinal research at a back institute in Texas. After listening to my story, he told me, go to Germany and learn the exercises. It was the first time I'd heard that advice in my many months of research. My next call was to Dr. Hans Rudolf Weiss, the medical director at the Katharina Schroth Asclepios Clinic for Scoliosis in Bad Sobernheim, Germany. He invited us to come to his clinic to learn the Schroth program. The method had been in existence since 1921, and in all of my research, no one had mentioned it, even when I asked point-blank about exercises for scoliosis. When we arrived, Dr. Weiss was very accommodating. He kindly arranged for one-on-one -on -one treatment with a senior therapist at the clinic named Udo. By this time, more than a year had passed, so we'd lost critical time, but we were cautiously optimistic. Upon returning home, my daughter, by then almost 14, was very compliant with the Schroth program prescribed for her. She did her exercises daily. I was very impressed with her focus and determination. I could see improvements in her posture. It motivated me to learn as much as possible so I could share what I had learned with other families struggling with scoliosis here in the U.S. It was non-existent here at that time. My wife and I wanted to change the paradigm for others who wanted options as well. We officially established Scoliosis 3DC in 2007. 
We use the Schroth Method and the Evidence-Based Schroth Best Practice Program. Our program is implemented by myself and Amy and Kim, both occupational therapists. Patient instruction is truly a group effort with Amy and Kim devoting 100% of their clinic time to scoliosis treatment. I'm fortunate to work side-by-side with such high-caliber colleagues. The benefit for patients is that they have three caring healthcare practitioners overseeing their program and follow-ups, an important part of ongoing management. Ours is in no way a cookie-cutter program. It's highly personal. We treat children, adolescents, and adults with mild, moderate, and severe curves. The majority of our patients have idiopathic scoliosis. However, we also treat patients with many other types of scoliosis, including congenital, neuromuscular, EDS, and scoliosis of other origins. We also treat kyphosis, which some know as Schuerman's kyphosis. So, what is scoliosis? Scoliosis is a three-dimensional condition of the spine and ribcage. The three planes or dimensions of scoliosis are the sagittal plane, the frontal plane, and the transverse or also known as the rotational plane. Let me explain. The sagittal plane is the view of the patient's spine as seen from the side. The frontal plane is the view of a patient's spine from front to back or back to front. This is the plane you see on the x-ray image and the plane where Cobb angle is measured on an x-ray to determine the curvature degree. Now, please note the measurement is taken in degrees and not percentages. And based on the degree, it's determined whether a curve is mild, moderate, or severe. The third plane, again, is the transverse plane or rotational plane. This is where the spinal vertebra and ribcage twist or rotate. This rotation may be apparent from the back when a child with scoliosis bends forward. Earlier, I mentioned asymmetric spinal loading and curve progression. Asymmetric spinal loading is a primary contributing factor to scoliosis progression. When a child is growing, a spinal curvature may develop as a result of injury, pain, repetitive positioning, a combination of those, or other unknown factors. As a result of this prolonged asymmetric loading, there can be a change in vertebral bone architecture. This means that a vertebral bone may change from a normal vertebral shape to a triangular shape. If this circumstance is prolonged, it can contribute to the evolution of the curvature into a structural spinal deformity. When this happens, spinal flexibility is compromised and not easily reversed. When asymmetric spinal loading continues, this means that there is more pressure on one side of the curve, the concave side, and less on the other side, the convex side. This is a little simplistic for the purposes of this podcast, but I'll get into this deeper in the future. If asymmetric loading is not removed, this is referred to as the vicious cycle of scoliosis. This process can cause a curvature to become progressively worse over time. Once a torsal deformity is structural, it can mean loss of torsal mobility, creating fixed torsal asymmetry. The key to treatment is to be proactive early on during early spinal curvature development, when it's flexible, or as soon as a spinal curvature is detected. The way to do this is with scoliosis-specific spinal re-education 
that is curve pattern specific, addressing asymmetric loading so spinal curve does not become fixed or structural as soon as possible can be the key for many kids. There are some excellent references for this. One is by my good friend Martha Haas. She's a woman who has done incredible work on behalf of families dealing with scoliosis who prefer non-surgical alternative. This includes my family. Early in our journey, my wife and I flew to Arizona to meet her. She's always willingly shared her vast knowledge and she was instrumental in leading us. Anyway, she published a paper entitled The Transformation of Spinal Curvature into Spinal Deformity, Pathological Processes and Implications for Treatment. By the way, links to any references quoted will be in the show notes. Another excellent reference on this topic is a paper by Stokes, Burwell, and Dangerfield. It's a long title, Biomechanical Spinal Growth Modulation in Progressive Adolescent Scoliosis, A Test of the Vicious Psychopathogenetic Hypothesis, Summary of an Electronic Focus Group Debate of the IBSE. In this paper, it states, and I'm quoting, Suitable muscle rehabilitation programs could alter the prevailing spinal loading since the muscle force analyses indicate that different neuromuscular activation strategies are possible. Finally, a paper by Alisa and others called Biomechanics of the Conservative Treatment in Idiopathic Scoliotic Curves in Surgical Gray Area, which states, Early Structural Scoliosis is more amenable to conservative treatment owing to residual growth potential of the spine, meaning the earlier you intervene with treatment, the better. At Scoliosis 3DC, we've seen the benefits of these interventions firsthand for years now, and we firmly believe that being proactive even with small curves is most appropriate. Crystalina Schroth, who I had the great pleasure to learn from directly on my many visits to Germany, always told me, no curve is too small to treat. This brings me to our Schroth Best Practice Program. It's the Schroth Method Improved. It is based on the original Schroth program I learned at the Schroth Clinic in Germany with updates, modifications, and additions from Dr. Hans Rudolf Weiss. He's the grandson of Katharina Schroth and son of Frau Christa. He created these updates after observations during his years as medical director of the clinic. He realized that the Schroes program must be able to fit into the lifestyles of 21st century kids and adults. When I first established my program, I focused on the more supine or lying down style Schroes exercises. We do what's best for an individual and their spine, but the majority of the time we focus on upright Schroes exercises for better muscle engagement. After 18 years of doing this, it's become clear if you can't find an easy way to apply these concepts into your day, they won't get done and the chances of improving scoliosis may be lost. Our overarching program goals for adolescents and juveniles are to educate and empower. Specifically, we aim to one, attempt to reduce and or stabilize the curvature. Two, to improve posture and appearance. Three, to strengthen spinal and core musculature. Four, to improve lung capacity. Five, to improve chest expansion. And six, 
to provide the knowledge, tools, and skills so our patients can manage scoliosis for life. Does everyone improve? Most people will improve posturally, even adults. Some kids are able to get some amount of Cobb angle reduction, not all. In general, it will depend on how severe a curve is when treatment starts. Some curves are stubborn or strangely progressive. When compared to the traditional measure of success, which is curve stabilization, a very high percentage of patients experience that. Even those with severe curves can potentially see postural improvement. The same can be said for rotation, and improving rotation can have a big impact. What people do need to know is that it requires work. Results, of course, will depend on various factors, including spinal flexibility, stage of growth, muscle tone, scoliosis curve pattern, technique, and compliance. Wearing our Schroth-compatible brace is another component that has helped our patients achieve good results. For today's podcast, though, I'm sticking to the basics of our Schroth program and scoliosis basics. In our program, we teach patients how to modify daily postures to avoid progression, which activities may be harmful so they can be avoided, how to engage spinal musculature to promote stabilization, and corrective breathing, which is also called rotational breathing. It's based on curve pattern to positively impact the spine. It's a five-part immersion program, or six-part if you consider the educational component, which is extremely important. The program replicates the German Schroth program. Education is the foundation of the program, and it always relates to each patient's unique spine and curve pattern. A patient must understand their curve pattern. This may sound odd to a non-scoliotic, but the spinal configuration must be internalized so a patient can comprehend it. That way, they can best incorporate what they learn during their program and understand how to counteract their curve. The five-part program includes Part 1, Spinal and Ribcage Mobilization. This is performed to help restore joint mobility, both passively and actively. Part 2, these are part of the new updates to the program. Physiologic Maneuvers, Addressing the Sagittal Plane. Again, this is the view of the spine from the side. More and more studies are concluding that the sagittal plane plays an important role in scoliosis. We instruct how to address the sagittal plane using very simple maneuvers. These maneuvers should not take longer than four to five minutes per day. Now, this is probably a good time to mention that our program is incorporated into everyday activities. This is important. This allows for better patient compliance. Also, we do not require wall bars or special equipment as our Schroth program can be performed with items such as a chair, table, desk, and others. Instructing without the need for wall bars allows the patient the freedom to integrate Schroth anywhere. It's easier to be compliant with their program while traveling, visiting, and kids can easily take it to college with them. However, we do instruct the Schroth program utilizing wall bars for those who may choose to install them at home. Part 3. Scoliosis-Specific Activities of Daily Living, also known as ADLs. These postural modifications, based on a patient's curve pattern, can have a huge impact. The way a person sits, stands, sleeps, carries a backpack or bag can help to reduce 
asymmetric spinal loading. These postural modifications become second nature to those who are compliant, and the earlier they are learned, the better. I will occasionally hear from a patient who treated with me years ago as an adolescent. Many are now in their mid to late 20s. They all tell me, without me asking, that this is the one part of the program they continue to use faithfully. They make a difference. And these young adults I've had the opportunity to do follow-ups with are all stable as well. I'd like to share a brief story with you, a personal story, and it goes a little something like this. My daughter and son-in-law were married a few years ago, and they went to the Seychelles Islands in the Indian Ocean. Anyway, I told my daughter when I was her age, I went overseas as well. I grew up in New Jersey, and I went over the Bayonne Bridge from Bayonne, New Jersey to Staten Island, New York. That's my joke. While they were there, not not in Bayonne, but in the Seychelles Islands, while they were there, they sent us a picture of them on the beach. Now, I'm going to share how I interpreted the picture and how my wife interpreted the picture. I looked at the picture of them on the beach, and I said, wow, look how beautiful it is. Look at the scenery. It was quite magnificent. My wife looked at the same photo and said, thank God she's carrying her bag on her left shoulder. Now, if you've been through our program, you can relate to this, but one of the ADLs for her specific curve is to carry the bag on the left shoulder. Moms never forget, and they're always looking out for their daughters and sons, and God bless you moms. As we move forward, we go to part four. This part of our program are called 3D Made Easy Corrective Breathing Exercises. This is a simple way to do a Schroth Corrective Breathing Exercise. It is a 3D scoliosis-specific activity of daily living combined with corrective breathing. These are simple and effective, again, not requiring any special equipment. They are easy to integrate into daily life, often resulting in better compliance. Part 5, Schroth 3D Corrective Breathing Exercises. We focus on the most effective upright Schroth exercises for maximum muscle engagement. We prefer to have patients master only four to five of the very best exercises for their spinal configuration, rather than bombard them with moderately effective exercises, which may be unnecessary. As I have mentioned, wall bars are not necessary, but they can be used if desired. We use very few props. This is another one of the improvements of the best practice program. The extent of the props may be a stool, chair, stick, towel, and mirror, basic household items. Over the years, we found that the more props needed, the less chance of compliance. When parents ask me about props, I often tell them, all you really need is a floor, a wall, and air. This also eliminates excuses when the props aren't handy. Our program is an immersion program and closely replicates the German Schroth program. Ours is an outpatient rather than inpatient. We use one-on-one instruction for speed and efficiency. The program in Germany is group instruction and taught over the course of several weeks. With the structure we use, four or five consecutive days of immersion therapy works well, and patients can gain all the needed skills. Our programs are usually 17 hours. 
Over the years, we've refined and streamlined our programs for efficiency. What took 26 hours to accomplish in the past now only takes 17. People do have different learning curves, but it's a rare instance when more time is required. The importance of immersion-type instruction can't be overstated. This is the best way to understand and learn Schroth. Others here now deliver different versions of the Schroth method in piecemeal over time. I'm not a fan of this since it requires instruction over a much longer period of time. Growing children need to acquire the knowledge and skills to start fighting scoliosis progression immediately, not over several weeks or months. Kids who learn ADLs on day one can start using what they learn on the very first day upon leaving our facility. This means they get to work counteracting the scoliosis immediately. At the end of just a few short days, they have their entire program. Teaching this way also eliminates confusion and frustration. Repetitive teaching helps solidify understanding. When the patient understands their unique spinal curve configuration, it helps them process and reinforces why they are doing a particular maneuver or exercise. Mirrors are an extremely important part of the program. They allow the patient to visualize the spine and ribcage and internalize the corrective postures being learned. The feedback from the reflection helps the patient understand how they can best work to improve their curves. Mirrors are an essential component of learning and for use at home to ensure proper form. When a patient and their parents see the spine correct for the first time during an exercise, it is motivational. It could be emotional too. It's more beneficial and encouraging when this happens on day two or three of an immersion program rather than six weeks into a protracted program delivered once a week for an hour. Once an adolescent sees their spine in the corrected position, this will depend on flexibility. They're in because they've seen the potential of Schroth with their own two eyes. This helps with compliance, which in turn can mean a good result in terms of halting progression, or better yet, reducing the scoliosis. Just prior to completing our Schroth Best Practice program, we videotape and narrate the patient's entire program from A through Z while they perform everything they learn during the week spent in our office. Patients tell us this video is extremely helpful. It serves as a reminder and reference of proper technique and form and can settle any debate about that between a teen and his or her parents when they are back home. We also take photos of the patient at the start of the program and during the instructional components. We annotate many of these photos with text and arrows and create a reference manual with detailed instructions. This way, patients have two reference sources to use at home. To monitor progress, because many of our patients come from out of state or out of country, we have systems in place and provide families with detailed instructions for reporting progress or red flags. Fortunately, those don't happen too often. For adolescents, our protocol is to order an x-ray every six months during the growth phase, unless there are extenuating circumstances, but this is very rare. Prior to the six-month x-ray, we monitor a patient's progress by scoliometer, a small handheld device placed over the spine to measure rotation, that's twisting of the trunk, and by postural photos used for comparison purposes. If the patient is loco, we'll perform lung capacity and chest expansion measurements during checkups to compare them to the baseline assessments taken when they first entered our office. If necessary, we can also do a telehealth check. 
For more information, please check out the show notes to this podcast, where there are links to the research I mentioned. Or please visit our website at scoliosis3dc.com, where you'll find a variety of patient results. If you're more old school like I am, you can give us a call at 781-938-8558. If you made it this far, thanks for listening to my story and learning about our program, which I am very proud of. It's only a part of my efforts to change the dialogue and options for families about scoliosis treatment. If you'd like, please subscribe to this podcast to be notified of future episodes, which will cover topics related to scoliosis and conservative treatment. If you have a topic you'd like to hear more about, let me know. I'm open to suggestions. Enjoy the rest of your day or evening, and thank you for listening.